Acts 18, verse 1, New King James Version. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. It's on our app as well. Those notes are there. It says, And after these things, Paul departed from Athens, and he went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had certainly, had recently rather, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to depart from Rome. And so he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and he said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads, for I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. And now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision and said, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. And I and, and it says, no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, or a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And uh, Lord, we just love the opportunity to be able to study. Lord, we don't ever want to take it for granted. Lord, as I mentioned on Sunday that period of time in history where believers didn't even have a Bible that they could read or understand. And Lord, we have so many translations. We have so many versions and paraphrases and study helps that we can get in and understand your word. Lord, I pray that tonight we would never, ever take that for granted. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, as I said, I want to continue on our series, Fire Starters. And uh, we've been looking at that, seeing how God has been using the apostles uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the early church and how they were ministering and Philip the evangelist and, and Stephen the first martyr. We just build on and on and on upon all of those things. But um, we're going to continue to look at that a little bit further. But last week, wasn't it cool? We were here last week. I know you might have popped in. You didn't realize what was going on, but we had our award ceremony for our boys and girls uh, ministries that happen on uh, Wednesday nights during the school year. And I just think it's super cool uh, when you were sitting there listening to what some of these young ladies had to learn. Like some of those ladies, in order to actually progress into their next level or to receive their award, have to learn the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, please. How many of you can quote those? That's what I thought. Amen. But it's pretty cool. But uh, that they're learning stuff like that. So, man, I'm so excited for Christian education and, and opportunities to disciple our young people in Miss Beverly's class and Sally's class and youth and all the various things that we have. So excited that they learn the Word of God. So tonight, I want to talk to you from chapter 18 with the subject that I've entitled, Fanning the Flame. Fanning the Flame. You know... Fire is not anything that we're not used to in this part of Oklahoma. In fact, one of the most dangerous things to us is not only our, uh, our drought and how dry it is outside, but who knows what the other thing is? 
wind. All right, somebody's listening tonight. The wind. When you take the drought and you take the wind and you take them and you mix them with the spark, how many of you know that doesn't make for a good combination? Because all of a sudden, that fire can be really kind of contained, tame and contained, and all of a sudden, a breath can cause that thing to start expanding uh, beyond its boundaries. And so we look at that and we look at how wind actually amplifies and accelerates a fire. And tonight I want to talk about something that amplifies and expands the internal fire that's on the inside of us. The fire of the Holy Spirit that calls us to be a witness, to, to reach the lost, to be bold in our testimony for Christ. There's something that I want to talk about that, that propels this fire on the inside of each and every one of us. And my friend, that fire is the fire of encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. Encouragement goes a long way. Encouragement goes a long way. You know, none of us in this room live and breathe for pats on the back. Some people, their gift is affirmation. They like to be told, good job, that a boy, that a girl. But when you get down to it, we have to realize in life that those things are not always promised. They don't always come. If you live and die by those things, you'll never accomplish or fulfill the things that God has for your life because there are seasons that you go through. And we're looking specifically tonight at Paul. He's our central figure. And as we looked at the week before last, Paul did not have a good experience. And, and he had not had good experiences prior. He'd been in prison. He'd been beaten. And you know, Paul goes and gets a word of prophecy from the Holy Spirit and says, you're going to be bound hand and foot and it is not going to be well for your soul. And what did Paul say? None of these things move me, for I've counted my own life not as unto myself. And so Paul was willing to go, whether good or bad, right? So his obeying God was not predicated on if things were going to work out okay. And I talked about that a time or two before, and I mentioned it Sunday about our early missionaries who in the Assemblies of God would, would go without support, they would go without any, any type of guarantee, not knowing if they would have anything to come back to or whether they would come back at all. And Paul was pretty much the same way. He just had a tenacity about him that my strength, my confidence, my comfort comes from the Holy Spirit and from the Word of the Lord. But, everybody say but. Encouragement does go a really long way. And so Paul is spending some time at Corinth. Now, I hope you're good Bible students. I hope you've read through your New Testament. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I always challenge people. And you know, there's nothing magical about January. You know that, right? Even on God's calendar, it doesn't start in January, right? We, we are on the lunar calendar. calendar. God does not. Uh, he goes by, the Jewish people go by a different calendar. But there's nothing magical about January. But we in the West tend to look at January as what? New years, new beginnings, new starts, turning over a new leaf, starting a new habit, doing a new thing like that. And, and at the beginning of the year, I always encourage people to read their Bible through in a year. And you don't realize that just 
10 or 15 minutes a day and you can read your whole Bible through. Genesis to Revelation. Now I'm not going to take a poll and hopefully it wouldn't be the majority in this room. But if you would take the majority poll of most Christians, they have never read the Bible all the way through. Now how many of you know that's pretty important? I think if we had a, um, you know, a, a Jaguar or some type of hundreds of thousands of dollar luxury car, I think we would study the manual, don't you? We would. We would know what every button, what every gadget, what every piece on the instrumentation panel, every little nook and cranny, what it's for, what its purpose is, what it's made to do. But yet the Bible is our instruction manual. And as you read the Bible and you come through the New Testament, you come to 1st and 2nd Corinthians. This church that Paul founded. Paul, we see here, begins to plant his feet in Corinth for the first time. He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't have any relationship there. No guarantee, no job, no support. Paul just shows up on the scene And all of a sudden, God begins to connect the dots for Paul. And we see something beautiful happen in Acts chapter 18 that does not end in Acts chapter 18, but is mentioned in Romans, it's mentioned in 2 Timothy, it's mentioned in Ephesians. It's these wonderful relationships that Paul developed while he was on his journey. And so tonight, my prayer is, As we go through this, you purpose in your heart to be an encourager of the gospel. Amen. The encourager of the gospel. I believe wholeheartedly that each and every one of us in this room have the ability to go one or two ways. We can be an encourager or we can be a hinderer. Amen. I don't want to be a hinderer to the gospel. I want to be an encouragement to the gospel. So tonight, let's look at this, and if you're taking notes, here's number one, write it down. Let's look at Paul's companions. Let's look at Paul's companions. This is going to be found in the first six verses as we begin to look at this. Acts 18, verse 1 through 6. Read it with me. It says, and as Paul departed from Athens, the place where he said many idols, and I told you the historian said in Athens it it was easier to find an idol than it was to find a human. There were so many gods and ungodly things. Paul went from Athens and he went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to depart from Rome. And so he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, he stayed there and he worked with them for by occupation. They were tent makers. And it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuaded both the Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and he said, Your blood be upon your own heads, for I am clean. Now I will go on to the Gentiles from now on. And so in Acts chapter 18, verse 1 through 6, we see the establishment of some relationships. Let me set this up for you. Paul is coming into a new territory, into a new town. And all of a sudden, he runs into somebody who is a Jew. Now, all of a sudden, that clicks with Paul because we have the same background. How many of you know we tend to gravitate and, and, and pull towards people who are like us? 
And so Paul recognizes the lineage, the culture, which is interesting. Um, we talked about it before. We're going to get into it some more in the weeks to come. Paul was both a Roman and also had some Jewish descent. And, uh, and so now what we're going to see is that as Paul gets in here, he finds these people named Aquila and, and her, his wife Priscilla. Now, they were tent makers, okay? Now, Paul at this season of his life was a tent maker. He was an early missionary. He had no family at this time. He was traveling by himself and with some companions. But as far as his immediate family, Paul was by himself. And so rather than to put a taxation on the new church, or you got to understand there are all type of prophets who came through in those days, all types of different religions. And, 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 you know, give me your money, give me your money. What can you give me? And Paul did not want to associate any of that with brand new Christians. In fact, if you read the rest of Paul's letters, when you look at Corinthians and, and for instance, Second uh, Corinthians 8 and 9, and uh, even over in Philippians, Paul talks about receiving offerings from other churches to help his missionary journey. But Paul didn't take anything from the people he was ministering to who were new converts because he didn't want his, his motive to be questioned. And so Paul went in, he just worked with his hands, provided what he needed, helped the people that were with him. Not only does he find these Jews, but they also do the same thing. So now they don't just have one thing in common, but they also now have two things in common. And Paul would later come to find out that they had three things in common. They were believers in Jesus. And so what they did was absolutely amazing. When Paul was coming through this town and had no place to rest his head, they opened their home. And Paul began to come in and stay with them. And Paul was in their house and they became very, very close friends. I want to tell you that their relationship flourished so much that their influence is traced all throughout the New Testament. In fact, in Romans chapter 16, uh, verses 3 and 4, Paul tells the church at Rome to greet Aquila and Priscilla because they risked their life for me. That's what friends do, amen? Friends risk their lives if necessary. We don't know if they hid Paul. We don't know what happened. Scripture doesn't elaborate at this point, but Paul makes it a point to say that they risk their lives. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila were amazing people. Uh, the Scripture mentions in Acts chapter 18 that they were very instrumental in uh, setting Apollos forth to preach the gospel. Apollos was an Egyptian convert. We read about him later on in the New Testament. Apollos in Acts chapter 18 was preaching with great zeal, with great fervor. And he was uh, telling people about Jesus. The only problem is, and we're going to learn about this more next week, is that he only knew about John's baptism, which was unto repentance. And so he was preaching Jesus, but he was preaching an incomplete message. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they saw Apollos and they took him in to teach him the way of God more plain. That's what Acts chapter 18 says. And after they spent some time with them, with Apollos, they wrote him a letter of recommendation, Acts chapter 18 says, and sent it to the churches and said, receive our brethren. He's a good teacher of the word of God. That's what type of people Apollos, uh, Apollos had in his life. Priscilla and Aquila were great companions to Paul's ministry. They 
were obviously disciple makers. They were doing their best to help people uh, follow Christ and get on the right road. It was an amazing thing. Now, that speaks to several different areas. First of all, here's what you need to know. We need those kind of people. We need some Priscilla and Aquila. This was a husband and a wife team. You know, so people have any doubt about women and should they be in ministry or whatever. I mean, here's a good example of a husband and wife working in tandem together. In their house, raising disciples, and they're doing, doing great things for God. They were just teammates to the Apostle Paul. And, and we need people like that in our life. How many know that made Paul's journey easier? Now, you know, Paul... This is how he was. He would have gone there regardless. He would have done what he had to do. He would have plowed through the hard places. He would have walked through the difficult roads. But because Paul was welcomed with open arms, life was made so much easier for him. So here's the thing. We all need those kind of people in our lives. Number two, are you ready? We all need to be that kind of person. We all need to be that kind of person. What do you mean? We need to be hospitable to the people of God. We need to be hospitable and generous to the things of God. I don't know about you. Blonnie and I, we're people, people. We're actually kind of like, we're kind of an interesting couple. Most couples, I think you would find if you got down to the brass tacks, they're, most of them are kind of opposite. I'm, in, I'm extroverted by nature. Never met a stranger. I love being around people. If I'm not around people, I'm real irritable. She, by nature, is an introvert. She loves to be around people. She loves every one of y'all. But after a little while, she needs to go to her room and be by herself. And recharge with a crochet needle. That's just how she is. And so, you know, I've said all that to say this. Particularly if you're an introverted type of person, you know that it is taxing. To have an extra person in your house. That means extra food. It means extra cleaning. It means um, uh, hospitality. I have been around very few people in my life. Who really know how to be at themselves. Whenever they have company. Usually everything. They take their shoes off. Whatever. But my, my pastor. Pastor Shane. It doesn't matter who you are. You go to his house. He'll say, excuse me for a minute. Five minutes later, he's coming out in pajamas. I don't care if you're the president or whatever. Gets on the couch, pulls up a blanket, little dog jumps in his lap, and that's just it. Very hospitable. But that's just the way they are. But for most people, we're very guarded. It's very taxing. And what we need to see is that this was an expense to them. It costed them. But they ministered to Paul so much so that it helped him along the way. And I don't know about you tonight, I want to be, as I said a moment ago, a help to the gospel and not a hindrance to the gospel. Amen. We have enough enemies out there in the world than to have to fight enemies within our own people. Amen. And so, what we see is that they greatly encouraged Paul. And then, I love this next part. How many of y'all have friends in your life that whenever you get with them and you see them, you hadn't seen them in a long time, they just pump you up. I mean, my kids were ready to go back to school because they seen friends they hadn't seen all summer. And they were come home that day from school and just 
pumped up at how they saw their friends. I've got pastor friends, evangelist friends all over the U.S. because we're all just in different places. One of my very best friends is down in Orlando right now uh, at Reinhardt Bonkey's passed away. Uh, Daniel Kalinda's taking school, and my friend works there and uh, is a part of their ministry team. We don't get to see each other that often, but when we see each other, it's like we never left. You have friends like that? It's just like even if it's 20 years, 30 years, it's just picked up like nothing ever happened. Now, I love this verse because not only was Priscilla and Aquila such a great accompaniment to Paul's ministry, but there's something that happened when Silas and Timothy came to town. Look at it with me. We, we, we kind of read past it because it's not a part of the main narrative, but I want you to look at this. Verse 5, it says, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, all of a sudden now, Paul was compelled by the Spirit to testify to the Jews. Paul saw his friend and he drew some strength from them. He was encouraged when he saw uh, Timothy, his spiritual son, and Silas, and, and, and some courage leaped up in his heart, and all of a sudden now, he's ready to take the world by storm. You know, we need friends like that. We need friends that will fan the flame and make us do greater things for God. You know, the Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And they saw each other, and Paul just energized, ready to tackle whatever came his way. Now, it only gets better from here because Paul's companions were a great encouragement. But let me show you another thing. Number two, let's look at Paul's converts. Look at verse 7 and 8. Here's where. It begins to get a little deep. It says in, well, back up. We'll, we'll look there just a second. But Paul, it says that he, he got hyped up. He preached. They kind of blasphemed him. And so Paul shook off his garments and said, your blood be upon your own heads. Now, let me stop and I just want to explain that a little bit. Paul saw a responsibility to share the gospel with these people who were going in the wrong direction. He saw responsibility. You know, it goes back to the Old Testament where the prophet was told to be a watchman on the wall. And he said, if you see the enemy coming, he said, you warn the people that the enemy is coming. He said, but if you don't warn them, then the blood will be upon your head. And here's what Paul was saying. Listen, I can't make you accept the gospel. I'm only responsible for sharing it. Now, it's on you. None of those people that rejected Paul will be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, I didn't know, I'd never heard, I didn't understand. Paul communicated it clearly. Then, what we see is that some people rejected Paul. And listen, that's frustrating. Paul was frustrated. He really was. He shook his garment out. And he was like, Your blood is on your own head. And let me tell you, as a minister, it is frustrating at times when you feel like the people you're preaching to, they're just not getting it. And then look at what Paul, Paul turned right around. It says, and he departed from there, and he entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God. Now, stop there. And I want you to notice this. It says, he entered their house. 
I think if you read through the Scripture, you see that a lot. Now, that might have been the way it used to be in the U.S. And some years ago. We don't just, you know, see somebody walking down the street and invite them into our house. But even to this day in the, in the East, that's still a, a big thing. Hospitality. Even in Muslim countries, hospitality is everything. You see a stranger, you see a new person, you invite them to, to a snack or some tea or some water or something of that nature. And so you see that hospitality just in culture over and over and over again. So Paul goes into Justice's house. Justice is a believer. He lives next to the synagogue. And so somehow, someway, he sets up this preaching meeting for Paul because it's right next to the synagogue. Maybe he introduces Paul to the ruler of the synagogue, and Paul goes in and preaches to them. Look at verse number 8. It says, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing, believing, that the, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now, talking about fanning the flame. Fanning the flame. So, we see Paul's companions were great encouragement to him. But next, I want to look at his converts. First, the Scripture gives us two side-by-side -side scenarios. Paul goes to one place, he's rejected. They blaspheme, they sue him away. And, you know, have any of you ever shared the gospel with somebody and, and they rejected it? It's like the most horrible feeling ever. You feel like they're personally rejecting you. They're really not. They're rejecting the Lord. They're not rejecting you. But it still hurts. It's still discouraging. Some people who are introverted by nature, and that happens to them, they say, well, man, I just don't even want to try again because it just hurts, you know? But we're not responsible for how they receive. We're only responsible for how they share, by, how, by what we share. But look at this. The Scripture also gives us connected this same passage, just another part of the verse, where Paul goes in and the ruler of the synagogue gets saved. You got to hear me. This is not some low-level peon guy. This guy's a religious authority. He's not the dump truck driver. He's not the trash man. Come on, somebody. This guy's a person of affluence. He's a ruler of a synagogue. And this man gives his life to Christ. Do you know what? kind of conversion that is this man just lost everything by giving his life to Christ society the religious Jews everybody wrote him off but guess what happened whatever Paul preached and we know it was the gospel was so convicting and so compelling that not only did Crispus get saved the scripture says his old house got saved so mama saw it, and, and junior saw it, and, and, and little Sally saw it, and all his little kids saw it, and they all got saved and baptized too. Which is another little point there. Statistically, it's still true. If you can win the dad, you can win the family. And they got saved, and they got baptized. And Paul is just preaching the gospel. Now, I don't know about you. Pretty discouraging to share the gospel and nobody gets saved. But it's pretty encouraging when the ruler of the synagogue gets saved. 
That's the one you want to post about on Facebook. Amen. You want to share about that one on Instagram. Woohoo! God saved the ruler of the synagogue because that man was a man of influence. He was a man of grandeur. He was a man of, of uh, not only influence but affluence. He was a, 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 a religious person in the community. And many people looked up to him. And Paul got a leader. Let's look at Paul's converts. It's encouraging. Notice what it says. And every day he reasoned with them in the synagogues. The things concerning the scripture. Now I want to stop right there. Because I've had many people say to me through the years. I'm not going to tell those people that they're wrong. They have a right to believe that way. I'm not going to bother them. That's what they believe. That's what they believe. I'm not going to say anything because they have a right to believe that way. And you're right. They do have a right to believe that way. But you also have a responsibility to share your faith. If you saw somebody running off a cliff and you didn't say anything because you didn't want to disturb them, they'd throw you into prison. But we see people running toward a devil's hell and eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sensed an urgency. He was provoked when he was in Athens. Here he just knew he had to share. He had to open up his mouth. It wasn't an option for him. He had to say something. And so listen, Paul went to where they were. You know what that tells me? Don't believe we have to hold signs and thump Bibles on people's heads, but we do have to have a measure of aggressiveness when it comes to sharing our faith. Certain environments. We have to know our environment and know what it is that we've been called to do. But Paul was not afraid to run up in there and preach the truth. It's important. Christmas believed, his house believed, they, many of them believed. And these are the people that founded this in this, the beginning of this Corinthian church. So Paul received some encouragement from his converts. And I want to tell you, it does do an a, a evangelist heart good. You know, no evangelist wants to go preach a revival for three days, four days a week, and nobody gets saved. Nobody wants to walk away with that. Now listen. I know that we're not responsible for the results. I know things happen that we can't see. There's stories that come to pass and testimonies that come to light. Maybe when we're gone and, and God knows those things. And, but listen, I'm telling you, it does do the soul a little good to see some fruit for your labor. So Paul received some encouragement. Here's the third thing. I want to look at Paul's comfort. Verses 9 through 11. Here's what the scripture says. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision and said, Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. He continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among the people. Now I want you to know, when you look at Paul's life to this point, he has nothing to prove to us. I'm looking at Paul's resume, looking at his footsteps. 
I have no reason whatsoever to doubt that he loves God, that he's all in, that he's willing to die, all of those things. In fact, as I referenced a moment ago, it was in a previous lesson, he gets a prophetic word that he's going to go to prison and all these things. And Paul says, you know what? Okay, let's do this. I'm ready. He goes. But now, Paul gets a word from the Lord, basically gives him comfort. And here's what he says. He says, Paul, he says, don't be afraid. And don't quit speaking. Keep preaching. He said, for nobody will attack you to hurt you. Don't you know? Now listen, Paul didn't have anything to prove. He was willing to go. He was willing to die. Already proved it. But don't you know you get a word like that and you're just like, (laughs) you can breathe a little easy. Breathe a little easy. He got a word from God. Everything was going to be all right. He got the encouragement and the comfort straight from the Lord Jesus himself. And guess what? Paul didn't stay there for a few days. He stayed there for a year and a half. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit not only told him to, but the Holy Spirit brought encouragement and comfort to his heart. Paul began to lay a foundation among those people. And we read about it in the New Testament. So what do I have to say to all of this? One simple statement. Encouragement goes a really long way. Encouragement goes a really long way. And I want to say thank God for Aquila and Priscilla. Thank God for Silas and Timothy. Thank God for justice who let Paul into his house who gave an opportunity for him to preach to Crispus and his family and consequently all of these Corinthian people got saved and they were baptized thank God for that and thank God for the Holy Spirit and for Jesus who can comfort us in the times of trouble in closing I say this It's easy for us to look at people in the Scripture such as Jesus, Paul, Peter, Abraham, Moses and see them as superheroes with superpowers. They were men of God and women of God in the Scripture. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and the Old Testament Spirit came on them. We know that, that God led them. But I think sometimes we forget That even Jesus felt pain, experienced heartache, betrayal. Jesus was falsely accused. Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, chased out of cities, left for dead. And I think sometimes we forget That these people in the Bible, and even people today, that God uses, that they really are flesh and blood. That they're not 
angels floating on clouds with harps with invincible powers whose feelings don't get hurt, whose flesh doesn't get weary, whose emotions don't run thin, things of that nature. And so I want to show you tonight, and we could look at it from a bunch of different angles, but I will end with this, that encouragement goes a long way. I encourage you sometime to study the ministry of Barnabas, who was a great encourager. A word in season can do a lot for a person's soul. Now, it doesn't go into great detail about what all Aquila and Priscilla did, but I think we all can agree that their contribution to Paul's life was so profound that he wrote about it four other times in four other books. I want to be that kind of friend. Amen? I don't just want to be that kind of friend. We need those kind of friends. Amen? So if you find one or two or three, count yourself blessed, hold on to them. And encourage. Here's what I know about encouragement. Whatever you sow, that will you reap. If you're an encouraging person, you'll receive encouragement. That's just the way God created things to work. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You sow mercy, you get mercy. You give, you're given unto. And any seed you plant comes back in the same likeness. So let us be encouraging people to the people of God, to the things of God, Because we never know when that ounce of encouragement that we push somebody's direction is the very spark that carries their flame to their next assignment. Stand up on your